Breaking news. Welcome to Will and Merzane's special TTS report. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol slash TTS special report. And if you're wondering why we're doing kind of the one episode combo regular show TTS special report show today, well, it's because I'm going to let the suits out there in on something that happened to me this week. So I lost one of my best friends and it was a dog and now that sounds terrible. I had to say goodbye to my dog of 11 years on Monday. He ended up having cancer and it was kind of a quality of life question for even another question if he could make it very long. So it was a really tough decision for us. And it's uh, the reason why you're only getting one show this week because of scheduling conflicts and stuff like that. And I just wasn't able to do anything until Merzane and I could get together to do this podcast today. So uh, I just want to say if, if you have ever heard that super loud or maybe it's loud to me, but maybe not so loud over the podcast, but that really loud like bork sound come through well that's that's uh, no longer going to be a thing on the podcast unfortunately his name was Albert and I'd had him for 11 years and he was just a a wonderful companion a wonderful friend and uh, the house is a little too quiet without him but we soldier on and we uh, we've got a lot of good memories he gave us a lot of good memories and we will never forget him and with that, I would like to say welcome to Merzane. Thank you for joining me this week and uh, putting up with my being late as usual. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good and sorry for your loss. I, I definitely feel that. I'm I'm really sorry to hear it. Thanks, uh, man. It's never easy. Even, you know, people who don't have pets may not get it, but, you know, they're part of your family. You know, that's 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 your friend for for a long time and uh it's it's hard oh, oh yeah. i get it oh yeah and you know it's one of those things where it's as dogs get older you kind of try to mentally prepare a little bit for for that eventuality because you know especially dogs and especially he was a, a part mastiff and so mm-hmm. he's a big dog so you know yeah. you're getting on time you know mm-hmm. but it still doesn't help you when that time actually comes. So, you know, oh, yeah. it, uh, it, it is, it is what it is. It's a death is a part of life. And, uh, it's one of those things that we will, we will remember him always fondly. And, um, now Merzane, let's talk about Marvel crisis protocol and, and pick the mood up a little bit around here. I think, I think it'll help me and help the suits out there to talk about this. So, First things first, I know uh, you had a concession this week. It happens. It is what it is, yep. you know, and uh, your season was already going off the rails as it was, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I had a really busy week. Uh, a lot of my gaming time this week was more focused on a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament because I play Yu-Gi-Oh too and sort of getting into it. Uh, there was a tournament I wanted to go to on Sunday. Uh, a lot of my free time was practicing for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some other things that were coming up, and I, I kept having to reschedule with my opponent. And he was really nice about it. He was very forgiving uh, and really flexible. But the day that we planned out, it was Sunday. The day, so the day of the tournament, 
It's be eight o'clock in the morning, so I was gonna get up early, play it, get ready, and go to the go to oh, the game man. store for my Yu-Gi-Oh event. Uh, but he just had something come up yeah. and couldn't make it, and I took the concession on my part because I was the one that kept kept changing things around. Yeah, and uh, I still want to get a game with him because because overall I was just looking to play a game with somebody. Yeah. So hopefully we can get that worked out later um, and get a game in because I'm always excited to play games. But uh, I, it wasn't a huge deal. Like you said, my, my, my season is just here to have fun. And I, I've already <laughs> worked out with my next opponent that uh, we're not going to I'm not going to play my Midnight Suns list. I'm going to play my uh, Web Warriors list just to try it out and see. Uh, no, take it for a test drive. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love it. But uh, I hear your game went a lot more smoothly than my non-existent one did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. So unlike my voice, because I have a little bit of a cold, my game definitely went smooth. So, well, mm, smooth's not the right word. The outcome was what we all wanted, at least everyone mm-hmm. except for my opponent. But smooth, I mean, I did not feel comfortable for the majority of the match, you know, like it was one of those things where I was playing mm-hmm. in the Midnight Suns, like we talked about, and he brought Blade, Ghost Rider, Vision, Voodoo, and Black Cat. So if you're doing the math at home, that was 20 threat on the board there. So it's one of those things we talked about, Merzane. If I saw 18 or 20, I was bringing Hulk. And then the crisis setup was intrusions and alien ship. And I'm pretty sure, save for one match, that I've played alien ship a lot this season. You really have. (laughs) I mean, goodness gracious. Like, I played it on my my matchup with Gamma Waves into um, Matt from the MK Miniatures. I played it on that one in his, his Avengers. I played it into Mike from his CS and then the Mayor Fisk, and now I've played it on this one. And the only one that I didn't play it on was the first one where we had hammers. So you you might say I'm a pro at it by now, but I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. <laughs> You've definitely uh, sort of been ignoring one half of the, uh, the, the crisis potential yeah. in most of your games. Uh, it's just wild how that works out that way. I mean, I, I don't... It is what it is. And look, that's the thing about the random crisis selection is this is what you're going to get sometimes. And I like it in that way. I still I still don't dislike that random crisis selection thing. It's just I would certainly like to see some variety. But anyway, so we played at 20 threat, which was really good for me. And he ended up, like I said, I said what he brought. And then I had Strange Voodoo Wong to make 11. And then Mordo got me to 14, and then I had a Hulk to make my 20. And since both maps were on a C, and it was intrusions and alienship, because like we talked about before the the match, it didn't really matter what happened in terms of priority. Like if I won priority, I think I wanted to avoid his extract thing, but I think he ended up winning priority. I can't remember. Um, hang on, I wrote it down. Yeah, he ended up winning priority and chose secures. So that worked out really good for me because we had a lot of overlap there. And the only one that mm-hmm. I didn't want to see from him, I think, was the Mutant Madman one, which is right. the the B scenarios one. So 
that worked out really good that we got intrusions, which I think is not the best for me, the more I've played it, but it's also not bad. And then the alien ship. And so deployment wise, my plan was to get the Cree Corps onto Hulk if possible, because I felt like that he gave me the best chance to kind of play keep away as it were. And like, yes, the opportunity for him to steal with black cat or to possess with voodoo is definitely there, but it was something I felt like if I could get it onto Hulk, I could turtle around Hulk and kind of mitigate things. And if I could score two out of three of the secures or even one of the three secures kind of early on, then it could snowball as the attrition starts to pick up. That was kind of Mm -hmm. my plan. And it ended up working out pretty good. He ended up finding the Cree Corps very early on his voodoo, I think, on kind of my left side. And it worked out to where I was able to get a power to Strange. Strange was able to teleport Hulk up, and then Hulk was able to Gamma Leap, double tap into Voodoo, and daze him turn one. (laughs) I, I think he was daze turn one, if I remember correctly. And the rest of my team kind of shifted that direction and then ignored the far right intrusion portal thing. And he ended up having blade over there. So blade was out of the fight for a good two rounds, Mm -hmm. which was wonderful because blade is one that I have a hard time dealing with just in general. Like I like blade a lot because he is just tanky enough. And especially against mystic attacks that, He's really hard to get rid of. So yep. So I, so he was kind of out of the fight for a while, just securing one point. And I was like, this is awesome. And then Ghost Rider also was kind of off on a wing for a second. And so I was able to kind of focus that side. And, you know, I saw Black Cat coming. Like, Black Cat was was on her way. She was on her horse, riding, riding in to come and steal stuff. But he didn't have advanced R&D, so he had to wait. And I just ignored her and did some repositioning mm-hmm. and stuff. But the biggest bugaboo I had was dadgum vision. My goodness. <laughs> Just like we talked about, that guy is so tough. Like, I was able to daze him fairly early. And and I think vision moved a grand total of twice in the game. Like, he moved up on his first turn and then just was in prime position to beam everyone. And I tried to give him as few beam targets as possible. And that little mantra I talked about, I don't know if you remember this, don't set up sweet beams. Don't set up sweet beams. Don't set up sweet beams. Don't set up the sweet beams. (laughs) Yes. Like I was seriously trying to say that, but I continually was setting up sweet beams, at least to where he was getting more than one person. And uh, it it is what it is. It's hard to avoid. But uh, he, I was able to daze vision eventually, but then I started just dumping attacks into him and could not get the KO off of him for the longest time. I finally did eventually, but man, it took a while. That sounds like vision. You can't yeah. avoid the sweet beams, and you just can't kill him. Exactly. And I'm doing mystic attacks, so he's not like rolling five dice. He's only rolling four. So it was just, it was just a thing. And then um, I had a moment, Merzane. So like we've talked about before, how Mordo's mainly in this list to support Strange and Voodoo with extra dice when they really mm-hmm. need it, and sometimes a Hulk, right? right? Like he's there 
for the extra dice support, and that's about it. And if things can go good for him and he can do some fun stuff, great. But he's there for the extra dice. So he had ended up backing off Voodoo. He possessed my Hulk when he came back to life. So, yeah, I don't think I dazed him turn one. I think I might have dazed him turn two. But either way, he possessed my Hulk, grabbed the Creek Core, and kind of ran back behind where Vision was. So Mordo was in range to do his Burning Reigns of Ragador, which does the incinerate condition and I think the hex condition and so I was really excited to do that and I had six power so I'm sorry it's the incinerate and poison condition and I had six power so that cost me four and then a soul barb cost me two so like I'd never use soul barb I've talked about it so many times because mm-hmm. it's so cool the concept of soul barb is great the problem with Soul Barb is you have to already have a condition on somebody in order to get it to apply to the rest of the people around them, right? So yep. here's Vision, and he's got Black Cat next to him, and he's got Voodoo next to him. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm about to Soul Barb these guys, and this is going to be awesome. I never get to use this. And I got so excited for the opportunity to use Soul Barb that I forgot that Voodoo was immune to incinerate. And so I'm like, I'm going to choose incinerate. And then it's like, yeah, Voodoo's immune. I'm like, oh, that's right. Crap. Oh, but Vision's still (laughs) incinerated at least. That's good. (laughs) I was such such an idiot. Like, I've got Voodoo on my team. Like, what the heck? You know? What the heck? So That's one of those things. You you never remember Voodoo is immune until until you try, and then you're like, oh, crap. Exactly. Exactly. So so that was like one of those moments of like oof, you know, big oof moments, but at the same time, it was still cool to be able to actually do something with Mordo. And to be fair, rolling seven dice and not everyone's gonna have an immunity situation going on, but like I think it was actually a decent play because mm-hmm. I didn't really have anything else to spend my power on with him at the time. And yeah, okay, I miss out on dice on strange or something, but I was like, I wanna do this just this once. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, that that was pretty cool. And it all in all, I mean, it, it kind of, the game just kind of worked in my favor in a lot of ways. He ended up bringing his Ghost Rider over kind of slowly. And for whatever reason, I, I guess before the match started, Wong called Ghost Rider and, and called him bad names or something. <laughs> because dude was trying to kill Wong and was specifically using Ghost Rider to do it. And I've talked before on on House Party Protocol how like you don't the idea of trading threat value when you're attacking people, I don't subscribe to that often, right? But where I do feel like it's it's a risk is like okay, if my five threat character is attacking a two threat character and they don't daze him, then that's a win. If my five-threat yes. character is attacking a two-threat character and they one-shot him, well, okay, fine. Like, that's that's a little bit of an uneven split, but you'll take it because that's down, an activation and you're playing an attrition team. Would I mean, would you feel like that's a fair yeah. way to like think about if, it? If you're able to take one of their heavy hitters off of, like, your really important pieces, you don't want getting heavy-hitted, uh, I think that's a win automatically. But especially if uh, they... Uh, they fail the dice rolls. 
that yeah. it's a, a win-win-win. It it was impressive because I'm pretty sure Wong, one, he had a really hot defense dice. Two, he my opponent had fairly cold attack dice. Like I'm pretty sure he only got a hex one time off of Ghost Rider's attack, Ooh. which is pretty nuts. Um, so all of that to say, Wong, I think, tanked three attacks from Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, like it was nuts. Like That's Wong crazy. just was like over there. I could just, you know, I, I try to like sometimes imagine what's happening on the tabletop in like real time. And I can just imagine like Wong like over there just like sweating his butt off and like throwing up little magic sigils, you know, like pa-ching, pa-ching, pa-ching. like he, all these chains are wrapping around him. And Wong's over here like doing karate moves with, you know, lightning and stuff. I, I don't, I don't know, but it was, it was insane to watch Wong just eat these attacks from Ghost Rider. And I think it got to the point where it's like, I, I don't want to speak for my opponent here, but I think he definitely got to the point where he's like, I'm just got to kill this guy. And, <laughs> I did something with Wong in this game that really kind of was a light bulb kind of moment. So, like, I've known Wong can heal, right? Like, that's very common knowledge. However, I really got aggressive with my heals for Wong on mm-hmm. this game. So, like, anytime somebody had two damage, I'm like, boom, Wong's going to heal him. And you, yep. you know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. in, instead of trying to push the power every time, I was healing every time because you got to think about it when you're looking at Wong. And this is one of the things I've kind of learned as I've played a lot more Wong lately is the heal costs you an action, but it only costs you one power as opposed to two. So your push power around costs you two power. So if you, after that first one or two turns when the power generation thing is what you're kind of looking for, you can start doing the heals. And on, especially with convocation characters, it makes a huge difference. Yes. Because, I mean, you've got Ancient One that has six health, Strange has six health, Mordo has six health, Voodoo has six health, and rolls terrible defense dice for me typically. So any any chance you can of of healing, it's it's definitely good, and it's a range three heal, so you can kind of set Wong up in position to benefit from that, kind of as you go along in a match. Like it's it's something that's really impressed me with Wong lately is how yeah he doesn't provide you anything offensively most of the time, but man when he can start healing people and just i mean i'm pretty sure my opponent did a, did more than 6 damage to my strange at one point not in one shot though and because wong was there just healing him up it was kind of okay and i was able to ko his voodoo early so because blade was out of position voodoo was ko'd and ghost rider kept having a fight with wong his attrition pieces weren't able to kind of focus down Hulk as much as probably would have wanted. And it ended up to where I was able to get the core and kind of use Hulk's just body to absorb all the hits to get the win. And right at the end, I almost made a mistake. Like I was like, okay, I wonder if I can reach this. Like I know I can just go over here, win, win, 
because uh, Strange was bleeding. I had field dressed Strange. He was bleeding. And so I had one action, obviously, or else he would die again. And so I was trying to see if I could move to within two of Hulk to teleport Hulk to the portal and then um, and then score Hulk and a portal, but I couldn't. So I was just going to... Um, so I just moved over with Strange, sat on the portal, healed it, uh, shook the bleed off of him, and then won the game that way. But it was a really interesting little turn of events how it all kind of ended up finishing up. You know, he brought Ghost Rider over, and then Black Cat was sitting there ready to steal some stuff. And he had used the intrusion portal to try to move over Black Cat to get her in a position to steal without using any actions and rolled a skull. So I was able to place her at a different one way out of the way. And it really worked out in my favor that way. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I think that you have to think about when you're playing intrusions is when you use those portals, it is, it is risk reward. Like you're statistically more likely to get a favorable outcome on that. It's crits, wilds, hits, and shields, and the portal works fine. But there's three faces on that die that could be negative to you. There's two blanks and a skull. So, you know, I think that while generally it's okay, I think more often than not it's a bit of a trap. Because, like, if you really need something, like really need to do something, and the only way to make it happen is to use a portal, and if the roll goes bad, then then there you go. I still think I'd rather, like, okay... I'm just going to get into position instead of let my opponent put me so far out of position that I'm now out for another turn. Mm-hmm. Or I have to use a portal again. And like, I, I don't know, how do you feel about that? How many times have you, have you played Intrusions a good bit? I've played it a couple times. Um, once was against Kenny, and uh, it was it was wild. Kenny was making some really risky plays with his portals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like... Willingly dropping deadly legacy virus to get to the other side of the map with Juggernaut. And I'm like, oh, I of all the things I expected you to do, dropping cures and running at me was not one of them. Definitely not one of them. So it's definitely an interesting crisis. <laughs> I really don't know what to think about it yet because I haven't played it enough, but people yeah. seem to like it. Uh, I've played it a fair bit now. I like it. I think it's slow and that plays to kind of what I want to do. I know, and, and again, the conversation around convocation <laughs> is kind of all over the place, which I find to be really interesting and exciting. And when I see them, like, they are definitely not the tankiest characters. Like, this is 100% true. They're not the tankiest characters. However, they are weirdly set up for success in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. if you play the leadership right with Circle of the Cosmos, which is what I ended up doing is, so Voodoo, like I said, possessed Hulk and then moved away to with the Kree Corps. Well, he kept attacking Hulk during that. So what I would do is every turn, just hop over a little bit, hop over a little bit, hop over a little <laughs> bit, and boom, now I'm next to Voodoo and I don't have to spend any actions. And it's one of those things where as an opponent of convocation, you have to realize that if you don't 
do them in one shot, they're going to be moving. And you have to think about where they're going to be moving to. What And, and in this game, it was just the the best situations for moving for me came up and it was like all right i'm going to move over here okay i'm not out of range of your next attack however it puts me in a good position for for other things stuff like that right right so you got to think about those kind of things and then you know on intrusion specifically it's a really slow scoring crisis i mean there was only a grand total of 5 victory points on the board per round so that's a minimum. If you score all five, that's minimum round four before you're actually going to win the game. That's a that's an interesting uh, thought too. I didn't think about how slow this uh, scenario was going to be. Right. So, you know, it it definitely took a while and and it took a, a long time and everything. And yeah, Midnight Sun specifically, they are very you know, fighty and, and you know how, you know, if the dice are hot, midnight suns are smoking you typically. Oh, yeah. And, and blades dice were pretty hot. Like blade was doing pretty good things. Uh, once he finally got into the fight and everything, but in general, like I feel like against a lot of teams other than maybe brotherhood and black order playing a game like that is, is ultimately going to favor me because I can use my positioning tricks to kind of set myself up for success while also putting you as my opponent in a bad position to where you're making suboptimal choices with your characters. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think into Avengers, it's a little harder into because of uh, especially Sam Wilson Avengers. It's a little harder because of the the leadership. I think, uh, like I said, Black Order and brotherhood it's a little harder because they just have they just throw more dice you know what i mean yep and uh very good dice on top of that right so so those are things that like when we if i make it through this next week and and we get into the cuts we'll we'll have that conversation about like whatever my matchup is and whatnot but it's it's one of those things where especially into midnight suns because there's a lot of mystic attacks they're throwing out there a lot of energy attacks which Mordo and Strange both have have good defenses against energy. Strange is only three defense and energy, but he gets his mystic armor there, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And then Mordo has four dice energy, which is nice. So, you know, it, it is just really interesting. And then the last thing I'll say is both voodoos died in this game. And I saw someone say, well, that's clearly if both voodoos were KO'd so early, they were the first two models KO'd. Well, then clearly that means voodoo's a problem. And I'm like, ah, I mean... It was also a target of opportunity situation. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, from what I, you said, Voodoo got the Creek Core first. So obviously you're going to gun for him as fast as possible. So his is on the on the chopping block for KOing as, as, as quickly as humanly possible. And then uh, yours, if he ever gets it back, is the next biggest target just because you don't have like a black cat or anything to steal it back. Right. You have to either beat him up or use voodoo. And, exactly. uh, so yeah, of course you, of course it's one of the highest priority targets. Is he a problem? Maybe, but I don't think that the KOing him first is an indication of that. Yeah. Same. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm not really kind of giving you the exact play-by-play, I guess, of this match, but it was really exciting match, and I ended up winning 16-3, to which, you know, it's just... The, the reason being is because I was able to control the Creed Corps pretty much every round. Even though he would take it from me at the beginning of a round, I was able to control it early enough. And we talked about on the last episode avoiding tilt and being focused and thinking about what is the best play to progress your position. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked a lot about that on this podcast and this series of podcasts. And that's one of the things that kind of clicked with me in this game in a lot of ways. Like, I obviously didn't play a perfect game. I would not have tried to incinerate Voodoo if I played a perfect game. <laughs> yeah. But it was one of the cleanest games I've ever played in terms of a focus position. How do I advance my position, avoiding the tilt? Like, you know, it, it would have been easy for me to get frustrated and tilted for vision beaming me and then not dying like Mm -hmm. I certainly got excited in those moments but it wasn't like tilted you know what I mean which is a whole different thing but it was it was just a really really clean really good game for me and and the the thinking about what ways can I advance my position was really important and like one of the things that I, I had to think about was like, okay, he's activated this bundle of characters over here. Like, or or this character over here that I'm really worried about has already done a thing. So I cannot worry about this area and focus over here and make a better play here instead of trying to clap back after getting a little damage put on me. Yeah, that's actually a really uh really good thing to keep in mind when you're uh you know, your opponent does something on one side of the table and you're like cool uh i'm gonna come back it's like no don't do that yet you have nothing they have nothing over there right that's a that's a free side of the table now you get to do stuff on the other side of the table exactly and and that's kind of where i had to keep keep reminding myself if you will and it wasn't like the mantra of don't set up sweet beams but it was just one of those like okay this has already happened what's next Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so i was able to kind of go that way a few times and I will say one of the things that he did fairly regularly that I was very shocked by was using Ghost Rider's Wicked Judgment like for whatever reason I would roll a couple of crits with Strange or I would re-roll with Strange into a couple of crits and he'd be like okay I'm gonna Wicked Judgment that and now Strange is taking two damage it's <laughs> on his turn and it's like mm-hmm. oh crap I forgot you could do that <laughs> yeah aggressive Wicked Judgment can sometimes like just come out of nowhere and surprise yeah. you. Well, it was is like I was okay that he did it in a lot of ways because it ended up powering up Strange on his turn. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll just teleport people all around now. Thank you. But like, it also was one of those. I just wasn't expecting it, and it was he. I was like, now when I roll dice, I've got to think about if I roll crits, do I need to re-roll this or not? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that is that is very awkward. I've been in that situation before too. You're like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm, do I get? Do I risk the successes? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, anyway, so that was my match this week. It was a really great match, and shout out to uh, Valdor for playing that match. Like it was, it was so much fun. Like I, uh, I it was a really great match, and I, I feel like I got a lot out of it. I learned a lot from it, and and I feel like 
each match I'm able to kind of understand my team a little more and, and find out what their strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, I've, I feel like that there's some stuff that I'm not really exploring with convocation just yet. And that there's some things I want to try with them kind of a little later, but we, we have our list like we have it right now. And I think that if I put myself in a good position and I maximize my placement shenanigans and stuff like that, then I'm in a good position going forward. Mm -hmm. So with that now, Merzane, let's talk about my upcoming matchup. Absolutely. Because this one is, it's, it's spicy. So for anyone that has listened for a while, there's a guy in the community, he's he's, quote my name his his name's dan raven so quote the raven mm-hmm. and he's quote my name or qtr is is what i refer to him as because that's what i first saw him as on there on discord but anyways i'm playing him he's one a good player two one of the best people to play he's very fun to play against he's been on the show before talking about positivity and celebrating the wins and the losses within a match and stuff like that. Like, really great guy. So I'm really excited to play him because it's actually our first time playing against each other. And we played in a team tournament together before as teammates, but we've never played each other. So I'm really excited to play him. Friends turn to bitter enemies. That's right. That's right. It's like that. Drama. (laughs) Drama. Former friends, now bitter rivals. Who so, will win? <laughs> so let's go ahead and go over his list, and then we can kind of figure out what we're going to do with it. His list is called Avengers 2.5. He's got Black Cat, because of course he does, and Avengers, mm-hmm. she's pretty good. Captain America Sam Wilson, Captain America Steve Rogers, Dr. Voodoo, Ghost Rider, Hulk, Iron Man, Luke Cage, Toad, and Vision. His tactics cards are Advanced R&D, Avengers Assemble, Brace for Impact, Field Dressing, Follow Me, Helios Laser Bombardment, Heroes for Hire, Indomitable, Ricochet Blast, and Sacrifice. His extract crises are Fear Grips the World, as worthy terrorized cities. I said it right this time. You did. I was proud. Yeah. Mutant extremists target U.S. senators and research station attacked. His secure crisis. Mayor Fisk vows to find missing witnesses. Mutant madman turns city center into lethal amusement park. Portals overrun the city with spider people. So spider portals. So... In that, if you notice, we have two overlaps, the spider portals and the hammers. Other than that, there is no overlap in the crisis. And that's where I want to start this discussion, Rosane, because we'll talk about the characters and his tactics and his plans, all that stuff in just a second. But when I look at these crises, I don't hate my 14. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. What is your 14? So strange. What what is one you can do anyway? Strange, Voodoo, and uh, Mordo and Wong. Or Clea and Wong. Mm -hmm. You know, or Magic and Wong. 
So I'm not going to not take strange. Like there's a, no matter what, I'm playing four wide. Like I guess you could conceivably, I could do three threes. I could do Clea, Magic, Mordo to make nine. And then uh, Hood to make 12. And then Wong. So like I could go five wide. But I don't think that's a good five wide. Probably not. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't I don't like that. However, I like my four that I have, and if we play at 14, I would expect him to go wide. Yes, I would expect probably to see something like, I think you see Black Cat because it's on central. Uh, it's on a single extract. Which uh, uh, he's extremely yeah. powerful there. Yeah. Um. Let's see, so you could get like Steve, Doctor Voodoo, Black Cat for eleven, and then uh, Sam Wilson, Iron Man, or Luke Cage, one of the three. Yeah, but that'd be only four wide. True, it's so only four wide. But I think uh, what I would expect to see is Black Cat, Sam Wilson, Iron Man, Luke Cage to make twelve, and then Toad. That is also possible. Like if um, if we play it at fourteen, that is what I would expect. Now, granted. He could definitely not do that, and I would, I'd be okay if he didn't do that. But that's that's what I would expect. Yeah, the the thing with this list is it's kind of hard to to see where he's going to go because he does have the two leaderships. Yeah, uh, and every one of the characters he brought are all very okay with any of the leaderships he brought. Oh yeah, so uh, he could he could definitely throw curveballs at you. So I think like going into, I think your best bet is just to figure out, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, you know, finding, you're focusing on your win condition. Right. I think this will be a game where worrying too much about what characters he will bring will just throw you for loops and get you distracted from what you should be doing on the table. I think a lot of this game will be won on table and not turn zero. Oh, absolutely. But I do I do want to talk about turn zero, though. I'm going to continue that oh, conversation. Oh, yeah, it's still important. Yeah, yeah, because definitely still important. Here's the thing. So, so looking at his crisis again, like I said, I don't hate my 14, but I don't. I also don't hate my 16 now that I have Enchantress. But I think I'd be okay with his extracts. I absolutely do not want to play on his secures because yeah. two out of three are hot garbage for me. Yeah, I think uh, Mayor Fisk is probably the worst scenario in his lineup, like the worst crisis of all of them. And then mutant madman you're, you have experience on it because you used to play it. And I played it this weekend at that tournament. <laughs> oh, you did Yeah. in your list or did someone else? Uh, play I, I played it? it against somebody else. How did it go? Uh, well, I lost the match, but I learned a lot from it. Um, and I also, I played a different list than what I'm playing here. So I had lizard. So I felt a little better about it. Mm -hmm. Also in that match, I had lizard and sinister, so like I was able to, it was one of those things where we, we got caught on time, but if, if the match had kept going, I think it was going to swing around in my direction over time because I was able to kit to kind of shift the battlefield and like, let him have a couple of them. And then it was a fight over the extract, which was Cree core. <laughs> so <laughs> surprise, surprise. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it was I didn't hate it. Now, you know, it's it's two dice for most of my trying to flip it. That's the thing. 
most of my characters are spending two dice to try to flip it. So the odds are in my favor there because it's crit wild hit to flip it, but still not great. And then if he's standing there, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I think Mayor Fisk is the worst because I I do not want to be stunned. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of characters on your squad that uh, don't like stun. Right. Cough, cough, strange, cough, cough, Hulk. Yeah, cough, cough, literally all of them. Yeah. But the thing is, I think, so if I win priority, I think it's no question I go secures, which has kind of yep. been my plan all season, even though I do think that like there is out there somewhere in the ether, and I've explored it in that tournament, a version of Convocation that plays a big, strong extract game. Mm-hmm. I don't have that in this list, though, but I I think that I can deal with Research Station. I can deal with Senators if they come up. Yeah. You know, and, and it's the, the biggest thing I think I have to worry about is as long as he doesn't get the Senator turn one, like with Toad or something like right away, then I'm then I feel good about it. I don't know if you if you use your voodoo right, you want you don't mind as much, but uh, right. you definitely don't want to. If you can help it, you you don't want to give it to him on someone weird. Exactly, and that's another thing I think I've kind of learned throughout this tournament is turn zero deployment. Right, so one mm-hmm. of the things that I've noticed is voodoo strange. They have range three attacks, right? So they yep. can move once on their big bases and then touch anybody at that midline, right? Like no matter where you position, they can move once if they're lined up directly, they can move once and interact with, a, mm-hmm. you know, and by, and by interact, I mean attacking, right? Yep. So one of the things I think is I've been kind of leaning on that, like, okay, I'm going to put Voodoo on this wing and if they find the extract, great, then I'll just come over and, and move and do the thing. But I think what I'm going to do is kind of say bye-bye to that plan a little bit and use voodoo with a middle line deployment i think that way Mm -hmm. i can move him to either wing should the need arise like i tip like i said i really like having him on a wing and then that way like okay if they find the thing over there well then i'm ready to do things but I also think that that gets him possibly out of position if they find it on the complete opposite end. Yeah, he, he's definitely a character. Um, if he's on one side, chances are he's going to help you win that side. Exactly. But if winning that side doesn't win you the game, it doesn't matter. Right. And I think looking at the different uh, secures you can run, I think having that uh, senator is going to be a big part of winning. Oh, if you've I... got intrusions... Demons downtown and spider portals. So on an, you just played it. You just played a game on intrusions with the creek core, which is it's almost the same game, right? Exactly. Uh, if you're only scoring five, it's all you have to do is score any one point, and the re, and the uh, uh, senator, and you're winning. Yep. Over and over, round after round after round, and you coast to victory. On uh, something like spider portals, it's a little easier to uh keep parity up like it's it you can if you get three points and then they only get one point right and the researcher then you're winning 
Um, or you're, you're tied, excuse me. But at the same time, if they only get two, uh, two portals and you get two portals, then they're winning. Yep. So control of that single extract is huge for you and making sure that, uh, voodoo can rotate wherever he needs to go to keep control of it, to either gain control of it or hold control of it. Right. I think that's important. I think your best bet, I think he's also your best runner for two reasons. One, I think you grab it, you leave, but on your way out, you possess Black Cat, <laughs> so oh, she yeah. can't steal it. Oh, yeah. That, that's something also, I've been doing a little more of lately, too. <laughs> yeah, possessing Black Cat is really rude. And then also, uh, he can still make you drop it with his voodoo because of the timing of the of possess, but you can always do it right back to him. Oh, or yeah. still be able to interact with other scenario elements with your voodoo. So if he's using his brother Daniel on your voodoo, it's only half as good as it would be for anyone else. Uh, well, so he you can't counter possess a voodoo because voodoo voodoo can't possess another voodoo because you can't have a brother Daniel token on a voodoo that it didn't start with. So here's the weird thing about that. And actually, I'm glad that I get to tell you. Um, so Voodoo cannot have a, a Brother Daniel token that is not his own. But right. the way that possession is worded, and actually this is like on the rules form, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Dr. Voodoo's possession says, spend any number of power to use the superpower, choose an enemy character within three of this character with a threat value equal to or lower than the amount. The, character, the enemy character uh, drops yeah. all objective tokens it is holding. Move the brother Daniel token to the character. So the step before brother Daniel token is moved. Right. Drop everything. I I see it. As soon as you started reading it, I was like, ah, it's be- because the sentence before the move the brother Daniel token is there. Like that's yep. And that is the gamiest, most someone had to have been like, well, no, like like <laughs> had to have tried to win a game on that. And so they did it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this is how this works." It's it. It reminds me again of the, like, "Oh well, we've been playing this wrong all along." Rerolls thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's the gamiest <laughs> wording because you know that the intent is that voodoo can't be possessed by another voodoo. Mm-hmm. But it's like obviously, rules forum FAQ blah 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 needs to happen. But like that that's just uh like I get it, I get it. Okay, and and okay, I will use that then. I I will put that in my repertoire. I'm going to put that in my pocket, pull it out for later use. But that is the gamiest crap I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I learned it a couple of weeks ago or so, um, and I was like, God, that just that feels so gross. I don't like it. Uh, but it it's the way it is uh, officially ruled to work. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things like, you know, if I'm at like, my local game store and we're just kind of playing for fun. I probably don't do that. Oh yeah. I might, I might, if it's like someone that I know wants to be competitive sure, or wants sure, to sure. practice, but if I'm just playing a game with someone, I'm probably not going to do that. But when you're in a competitive environment, like those little rulings can make a big difference. Oh yeah. It's, it's annoying sometimes. Um, but it's also what keeps the game learning the rules as written as it is called versus the rules as intended the RAW versus the RAI yep anyone can interpret rules as intended any way they want 
uh, there's there's certainly an argument for the you know you said it's the the intention is to not be able to be possessed. I mean, I could see someone making an argument for the opposite. Not that I agree. Not, not that I would sure agree sure that. sure yeah. But it's important to always be aware of how the rules work as written. Yeah. Because in a competitive environment, and this is for everyone else too. This isn't just like an, uh, directed at you. I know. Um, yeah. Uh, re- rules as written is going to be the most fair way to resolve a dispute at a table because you don't want your judge coming over and trying to interpret what the designers originally wanted this rule to do. Exactly. Even if it's obvious because the most fair thing to do is what the rule says so that everyone has the same exact interpretation of the rule. And that's why things like this come up. Someone had the question, Hey, I interpreted it as this. Is this how it works? And then the answer is that is how it works. And so now that's how we all play it so that because we've had confirmation that that is how it is worded, it's, it's, it's fair for everyone. It wouldn't be fair to come to my store, for example, and me say, well, obviously that's not how it's supposed to work. So in my tournaments, we're not going to do that. But then you go to your, your game store and your, your, your judge is like, well, no, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. That's how that's. So it's very annoying. And I too, (laughs) it kind of gets under my skin when stuff like that comes out, but it's important to remember that it's not, uh, it's not as scary or weird as it sounds. And it's not people being like, sometimes it's not people being hyper annoying. It's, uh, it's just people trying to keep the game as fair as possible for everybody. Cause in a competitive environment, it's so crucial to make sure that you're on a level playing field with your opponent. Like it's as much for you as it is for them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all that, all that to say, okay, I will be ready for that. <laughs> yeah, be ready for it. I think it's really important. Uh, it, it it gives it gives your voodoo a little bit of play into their voodoo, and it it sort of reinforces the voodoo should be in every list argument a little bit higher because now he can also just possess himself for at least a moment to steal extracts. But um, that's something that hopefully will be addressed in the future. But yeah. yeah, he um uh that is something to keep in mind and maybe maybe I just told your opponent about it and he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh now you know too. So if uh, his voodoo gets it and he thinks, "Oh, well, I'm I'm safe from your possession and you don't have black cat." Well, you can run up and you can grab it with your voodoo. Um uh, pick it up and, you know, do all that stuff. Yep. Yep, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. So so now let's let's finish talking about our turn zero here real quick because I think we're almost done with this kind of conversation. So we know what yep. I'm going to do if I win priority. If I lose priority, I don't think there's any way he doesn't pick secures. He's picking secures. So if if he picks secures and nightmare scenario happens and we get Mayor Fisk, I mean, I feel like I'm better on it now than I was when I played against Mike. And I feel like... Mm-hmm that someone like Enchantress is going to see the table Yep, for that Enchant- because Enchantress is a good one. I, I think that. And then also I think that when you look at my extracts, I've got hammers, Montessi and alien ship. And so Enchantress to counteract the potential black cat voodoo situation, I think is going to be strong there. Mm-hmm. And if we play at 16, I like, Strange, Voodoo, that's nine. Enchantress takes us to 13, and then Mordo would take us to 16. So I kind of like that. And I could swap out 
Mordo for Clea to have a little bit of extra control there also. You could. Yeah, and the, I, I like that a lot because um, for his team, he has almost entirely size twos outside of Voodoo and Hulk. Uh, you mean Ghost Rider and Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> Except for Ghost Rider and Hulk. I can't read. I feel like I feel like I haven't had coffee in 68 days or something. Ugh. Uh, but uh, yeah, Ghost Rider and Hulk are the only two that like your Voodoo and your Clea can't throw. So they're not bad choices. Um, if those two hit the table, though, you do need to keep in mind, like, that's where your Doctor Strange and your Enchantress displace. So if you're worried about Hulk standing on a point, you save those two's displacement for, you know, throwing them somewhere into the stratosphere uh, and not relying on, like, Clea activating last. Oh, absolutely. And what, oh, I mean, I, I would typically activate Clea first. And I would, if, if, if we're Mayor Fisking, then yeah, I'm saving her for a little later because of the displacement. But you know, I think that one of the things you got to think about with Clea, which is really interesting, and and I've kind of been working with her a lot more again lately. And her throw is range three; it's within range three, and then you throw them short. That really surprises people. Yep. So keep that in mind, and then I also. What I would probably end up doing, if I have Clea, again, on Mayor Fisk, I'm okay losing one or both of the points, especially just depending on the extract situation. Like, that's always a big part of it. it. It depends on the extract situation. Now, if it's a single extract, like Alien Ship, then I need to work a lot harder to get that turn one so I can at least have a chance because again I, I i don't have a problem losing the secure game early on that because i do feel like i have some tools that can help me get back in it in subsequent turns however if i lose the extract part of that too well then i'm kind of sweating a little bit and i think a character like clea if i'm able to activate her early and then let's say place an enchantress up farther you know, place within range two, and now she's able to maybe get up there and maybe double beam somebody. Or I don't think that the range kind of work quite works out that way, but it'd be nice. Or or save an action to go ahead and steal that Cree core right at the end of the turn. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe try to get her some R and D action. The the opposite side of that is if you're looking at something where there it's top of the turn and you're trying to get it back. Uh, with someone like Clea, if you move your guy, then they activate and they have a chance to get away or displace your Enchantress to ruin that Clea placement. So I'm talking about at the end, like, so turn one. Oh, the end of a turn. I'm, okay. I'm, or I'm talking about, so like turn one, if, let's let's just say it's alien ship because it probably is going to be uh, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> probably. Probably is going to be. So it's turn one, <laughs> it is my destiny. Turn one, I activate Clea first and I, I place the mm -hmm. enchantress i place her range two up towards the middle or or wherever like let's just let's assume that my opponent well we in this instance my opponent won priority and and he's already found the core or even if he hasn't i still think placing enchantress up is the way to go so place enchantress up the board that way she can potentially move on in one go get some R&D, bring R&D to give her that last power off of Clea 
and then she moves up and can steal if somebody finds it on my last activation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're saying. I don't know if that's good. I just know that it's a bit of a deterrent, maybe. Having probably having the steal online, it probably doesn't stop them from doing it, but it uh, it's definitely an answer. Like, it's one of those situations where you're gonna do it. Like, you gotta you gotta get it first and make your opponent steal it. But it's definitely gonna be something where, if that happens, you get to you get to respond. Exactly. And it might be something interesting, like, you know, if you're like priority, like because this also works on extremists. Yeah, uh, maybe even better. Like you can sort of place Enchantress to one side, like maybe the right side in between the two points, mm-hmm. and then have, I don't know, someone like, like Voodoo go up and pick up the one on the far left, and it's not that one. Cool. Well, then next turn they're probably going to go for one. If they don't go for one, uh, then you can do the Clea trick and have her kind of move up to threaten both. Yeah. Uh. So you kind of have some options with that, too. Yeah. And Enchantress, I think, is going to be big, again, in the Mare Fisk scenario. She's going to be big there because of her her Amora's Kiss or whatever it's called, the moving people, her bow. People call it her bow, but I like to say the real thing. Uh, her Siren's Call, that's it. You know, m- displacing people off of points so that I can score said points. And the nice thing about Enchantress, and this is... I dropped Enchantress for Sinister in that tournament over the weekend, and I discovered some things that I do not like about Sinister, but that I do like about <laughs> Enchantress. So Sinister is nice because he has that added built-in range of the big base. Enchantress is nice because she starts with two power, and then that Siren's Call, that bow, that movement is online right away. Yep. I don't have to do anything to get her an extra power for her to use that because it only costs two power. So that's huge. Yes. That Being is able huge. To, especially on something like, I think she's going to be relevant in a lot of these, like research station even. Like if you oh, get yeah. like research station, she's going to be really huge there. You can't do the steal, but that's fine because now you have another displacement on a um, on something that's entirely basically a secure scenario. Right, and it's size agnostic. So, you know, it's, it's I, I think that, Enchantress is probably seeing the table this matchup and unless yeah. I can come up with a really 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 good reason not to like if we play demons I might not take her I might not take her but again playing demons is predicated on me winning priority and it's you know I'm not banking on myself winning priority <laughs> you know I, I tend to not I kind of don't want to in a weird way like I want to win priority because I want my secures but I also don't want to win priority because I like to have my opponent make decisions before I have to make decisions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that that's normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I if we win priority, you know, I, I feel like I feel okay. If if I don't win priority, and let's say, I mean, hammers is is pretty neutral. I mean, I'm gonna do my best to get one onto enchantress because enchantress with a hammer is nasty business. Yes. So, that'll be happening if possible. But I also like Montessi formula, and on Montessi, I want to talk, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about turn zero, and the reason why, uh, I want to say, is because, like you said earlier, looking at his list and thinking what he's going to bring is kind of uh, an exercise in futility, because there's so 
many good options he can put on the tabletop. Yep. So I don't I don't think I think trying to have a plan for okay if Hulk is on the table what am I going to do and we'll talk about that in a minute but I want to I want to just dive into this turn zero stuff because this is the the decision that I agonize with the most. Yep. And. So let's say I have Montessi. I've played Montessi a few times now, not actually in the league. Obviously, it's only Creek Corps. Uh, <laughs> but all Creek Corps. All Creek Corps all the time. Uh, so one of the things that I've figured out about Montessi in my real life games is like, you know, I want Wong to have a book, right? Because Wong with a yes. book is super fun. <laughs> it's super fun. However, if I use Wong for his R&D abilities then him actually having a book doesn't really work because you've got to gain a power with an action. Then you spend that power, two of those, you know, the two power you just gained to give somebody else Mm. one power. And then you don't have any power to pick up the book. So what I'm thinking about doing if we end up on Montessi is foregoing the turn one Wong and D. Mm -hmm. You see what I did there? Yep. Yeah, I see. I see. Okay. okay. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure you saw it. So, foregoing that and just getting a book on Wong, I would love to see that. I the one time I played Wong, that's what I did. He just he just held onto a book uh, until I got uh, stolen from from him by Quicksilver. There you go. There you go. Uh, and that was in Midnight Suns too, where I'm like, huh? Now all of a sudden, Wong gets to participate in uh, uh, Siege of Darkness. Oh yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, unfortunately, my opponent did not think that would be awesome. Yeah, oh, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. But either way, I think that it provides Wong with a little more utility. And obviously, and like, again, if if we're playing on a clumped up scenario, so in his secure crisis, Mutant Madman is is clumped up. The other ones are pretty spread out. But then it allows Wong to kind of tag team with somebody else. Like, okay, Wong and Voodoo can go handle this side while Strange and Mordo are handling the other side. Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there's something, it'd be fun to, like, no matter what, try to get that book on Wong and and then go from there. So, we'll just yeah, see I, what happens. I, I, like, I like Wong with books. Me uh, too. I think it's actually cute. It's also really good on uh, Strange with his rerolls. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The, um, the only problem with him is you don't build power for it. No. That, and and that Strange needs his power. Yes. So yeah, I, he, I do like it though. You know who else likes it? And unfor- unfortunately, you can't do what I used to do in Midnight Sun. But Hulk likes it because uh, it's basically thunderclap for free. Oh once yeah. Once per turn. Uh, with one more die to start, I believe. Yeah, because thunderclap I think is. F- it's two, five dice yeah. for three power. So, so you get to do better thunderclap for free, and that six die goes up with his uh, relative anger. Oh yes, with the rest of his attacks. So that six die book attack might become like an eight die book attack uh, if your opponent's laying into him trying to get the book back. Oh yeah, I would love to see that. So now let's talk about characters because, again, I think we've exhausted our turn zero thoughts. Like again, win priority secure. If I don't get my secure crisis. Then we see what the secure is and what the extract is, and we kind of make adjustments from there. But it's going to be alien shit, probably. If it's not, we're happy. <laughs> yeah, just to play something different, I think. Right, exactly. So let's talk about characters now and and threat values because 
when I look at his team, there's, again, a lot of different ways that he can address any threat value that comes up. And I think that when I want to play my game, I want to play at 18 or higher. Right? So, like, if I lose priority and I get to choose threat value, I want to play at 18 or higher. I've played lower this season, Mm -hmm. and I don't hate it. Like, I don't, and especially, like I said now, I don't hate my 16 because my 16 now is Strange, Voodoo, Enchantress, Mordo, or Clea. So, I'm not upset with my 16, but in terms of threat value, I think if I play 18 or higher, he's bringing Hulk, and I've got to have a plan for Hulk. Yeah. Well, what better what better answer to Hulk is it than is there than throwing your own Hulk at him? Well, that's the thing. I <laughs> I agree with you in a sense. You know what I mean? Like I do agree that I think the best answer for a Hulk is a Hulk because of the puny banner reroll situation. You know, it's it's who's gonna use a Hulk smash on who first, kind of a thing to yep. stagger him. Because Hulk really doesn't like stagger. But one thing I have that he doesn't is a Wong, and Wong can remove conditions. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But we remove conditions and heal, so your your Hulk can stay a little bit healthier than his. Just a little bit. But I don't know if that's really the answer, so hear me out. If we play at higher threat values and I expect to see a Hulk, I've been playing a lot of Hulk. I love Hulk in my convocation. I love him in my convocation. Mm-hmm. And I think that he plays really well there. And especially when you look at the fact of Hulk has to generally wants to gamma leap, double tap, right? And that typically, that's what I do with my Hulk anyways. Mm -hmm. So if he attacks my Hulk and I take a damage and I'm on Circle of the Cosmos, I can place out of range. Right. So I think that... Having a Hulk is not a bad play at all. However, I think there's an argument to be made for bringing two, three threats in that slot and using my plane of Poldock turn to just burn down Hulk. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's also, depending on point values, if you weren't going to get Wong in your list, I think there's an argument for Ancient One and Wong. Because uh, I think Ancient One is actually... Like if if you can keep him off of her, she's not a bad one to finish him off. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, her astral strike is so good. It it's yeah. so good. Now, granted, you know, not like me in that one matchup where I didn't roll any successes, but you know, in general, <laughs> pretty darn great. Yeah. And it really hurts Hulk because then he doesn't get to add crits and he doesn't, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I really like that. Yeah. But and I, I think I think stuff like that. I think you have a lot of good ranged attacks. So like kind of wear him down as he's coming in Hear and then out. you have something like ancient one or um souped up strange hits to uh finish him and if you yeah. don't you can always teleport him away oh yeah and that's what i did in the matchup in round two is i used strange and voodoo a lot to kind of put some damage into him then i activated plane and my opponent did a really good job of keeping steve close to try to bodyguard but it just i was able to displace steve just enough and just go ham into Hulk and burn him down but hear me out so this is a situation where 
I think Hood could come into play. Uh-huh. Because I think being able to use his hex shot with playing a pole dock, so full re-rolls and everything there, and then if I have a good opportunity, not necessarily fishing for it, but if a good opportunity arises, his dark lightning can also be really good in clumped up scenarios. Mm-hmm. And then if he gets flipped, his empowered dark lightning is awesome. Because it's, if I, for each wild, for each wild that I roll on an eight dice attack, each other enemy within range three of the target takes two damage and gets the shot condition. Or the target gets the shot condition. So, so I I kind of like Hood in this. It, I again also, at higher threats. I also like Hood because he's also a decent choice into both Captain Americas. Exactly. So so, well, I mean, you're, you're playing Convocation, so right. a lot of a lot of you guys are going to be good in the them. But like having the rapid fire is really really good into those two. Yeah, and so here's here's what I'm thinking. Voodoo is is kind of the one I don't want to put Hood up against per se, but at the same time, okay, whatever. But I'm thinking that on those higher threats, what I've been doing is playing Hulk, and I think if we see if we see Mayor Fisk and let's say Hammers, right, and I choose eighteen, I think I turn Hulk into Hood and Magic in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Because if he brings a Hulk, I feel really confident in my ability on playing a pole dock to burn that Hulk down. Yeah. Is that overthinking it too much? I don't know. It's uh, There is that potential. Um, you also have to keep in mind he has the two bodyguard characters uh, in uh, Steve and Luke. Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, he doesn't... Ha- and he also has Sacrifice. So he's got some some ways to mitigate your attacks when you go for that big that big hit. I think it's something you should look for. Obviously, like you should be setting it up and going for it. But when you do it, you need to be careful uh, that like your first hood shot doesn't get sacrificed or bodyguarded because then it's ruined. Right. Um, and then the other thing he's got is he's got his field dressing. Yeah. Uh, the sooner you can do it in the game. So if you can do it turn two, for example, yeah, and you know you can get it set up and, and get him down, uh, that's the best time because more than likely, unless he's bringing like vision right next to him, set the synthesis or ghost rider right next to him, uh, he'll probably just field dressing him. And it's not the worst thing in the world for you, but that's potentially an extremely angry Hulk on the next turn or the turn that he gets field dressing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in that scenario, I likely lose priority, and that's a character full-on KO'd. Yeah, very potentially. Um, if so, not more than one. <laughs> so definitely, because uh, I think playing is just during an activation, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, it's, it is. So I don't have to play it at the start of a turn. I just have to play it when I'm ready to turn it on. Yeah. So I think that's going to be the big thing is, is uh, you know, we talk, you're talking about keeping in mind your win con. And I think one of those win cons is going to be you're playing a pull dock turn to, to burn down this big hitter. Right. And uh, just assessing every turn, like, all right, is Hulk or whoever exposed or can I make them exposed? Right. And like, 
when they activate, I think that's a good time. So like if Hulk activates early, that's a really good time to be like, all right, time to play to Poldock, trying to scalpel him into the middle of all my guys. Yeah. Like you did against that Green Goblin. And yeah. The, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think that that's exactly it is turn one, Hulk will probably activate last. But if I set it up right, I can get him into position to to burn him down. Yep. And I think there's nothing wrong with saving plane to uh after for after you've softened him up a bit. Like gotten Oh that yeah, absolutely. Like get get like six or eight damage on him. Yeah, I was gonna say like five to ten damage. Like don't expect to do all twenty in one go. Oh yeah. But once you've gotten some chip into him and you feel like you just need that final push. I mean even if it's just to do like the last six or seven damage to him, I yeah. think playing is fine. Just to try to guarantee he's done. Right. And I also think that in the the current iteration of Hulk what I think that gets lost is that, so previously, Hulk was very much, okay, you could, you focused him down easily, more or less, but also, secondly, you could ignore him, and it's like, okay, he's going to do his thing, but you can deal with it, because mm-hmm. you're not powering him up, and you're not, and, and he's only getting his three power, blah, 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 right? Yep. So, that was the, but now current iteration of hulk you have to deal with him mm-hmm. in some way or another and i found that especially with convocation you can control him like i can scalpel him out and then that's okay but then he's still going to get back and he's still going to gain a boatload of power and he's still going to throw and hulk smash and all this stuff and that's just not good and i don't think Here's the thing, though. At what point value does he bring a Hulk? I mean, I've seen him. I've seen Hulk in as low as 15 points. I think he could bring Hulk at at 16. Like, there's a very real possibility he brings Captain America two threes and a Hulk at 16. Yeah, I think you you just need to constantly be under the impression that Hulk can be in his roster. Right. I, I, I think anything less than 16, I have to have a plan for Hulk, and I think that my plan for Hulk. It's just hard for me, man. Like because I've played so much Hulk lately, and at eighteen, I love Hulk. I love my Hulk at eighteen because then it's Voodoo Strange, Hulk, and that gets me fifteen. And then I throw Mordo or Clea in at eighteen, and I really like that at eighteen. However, mm-hmm. I at nineteen I don't like Hulk as much because it makes it harder for me to kind of like I have to go with a four threat instead of a three threat there so I'm leaving Mordo at home and I have to pick Ancient One to stay affiliated so I think at 19 if we somehow get 19 points which means by picking my secures and him picking 19 then we're we're in business for the anti-Hulk tech and I think 18 I can turn him turn you know Hulk into two three threats and feel good about it and at 20 I can do the same thing yeah, but I just it's all going to come down to choosing my threat value and like I think if I choose 16 I'm not bringing a Hulk no matter what but he has the opportunity to and I think that that's okay but I really want to keep priority it's a it's an important mm-hmm. thing for making convocation work is like okay if I lose it on the first turn that's no big deal it's subsequent turns that priority really becomes important for me because Strange typically 
likes to activate, like Strange is weird because you can either activate him late to displace people and score points or you activate him early to get people out of position so they don't mess your team up as much. Right. So it's, it's kind of just depends on what the game flow does. And with all of that, what I'm trying to say is it's, it's just going to be a really interesting matchup. And I feel like, I feel like mm-hmm. he's going to play Sam. I really do. I, I don't know why. It's just a feeling. Because Sam's pretty good into you. Yeah, Sam's really good. And I think that means I'm bringing Brace. I'm bringing Indomitable because I don't want to be pushed if I can avoid it. But if he does push Mordo, I'm okay with that. So bringing, bringing Brace and Indomitable, Ironbound Books, Bar With No Doors... And then I've got to pick two more field dressing and now one more playing a pole dock. Mm-hmm. And man, it's just, oh, this is going to be so hard. This is going to be so hard. This is definitely a weird matchup for you. Avengers is, is an awkward, it's weird because you both have tools to deal with each other. Exactly. So it's not like, it's not like, well, I have tools to deal with them and they have tools to mitigate or they have tools against me and I can mitigate. It is literally, well, they have tools against me and I have tools against them. And it's just how, how do you apply Mm -hmm. those tools? And then next question, this, this is kind of the final, final little, what do I do with this question for you? So he has an access to Helios laser. Yes. Do you think him seeing Hulk in my roster means he's bringing Helios laser to this fight? Um, I think it's more that he sees you have no bodyguards and he's going to probably bring Helios because one of the reasons you bring Helios is, you know, to big, hit the big guys or if you really need someone dead, uh, particularly someone re- not very resistant to energy, you bring Helios because especially like in Sam Spam, you have a lot of excess energy. Mm-hmm. So boom, you do a big Helios laser and get that guy out of there. The problem with Helios is everyone's running Sacrifice or has a Steve or has an Okoye or has a Luke Cage or something to take the hit for him. Honey Badger to take the hit for him. Right. You don't have that luxury. Whoever he decides to shoot with the laser is going to get shot with the laser. Um, so I think it's much more online into you just because of that than because of who you're bringing. Yeah. And if you see it. You got to be ready for it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he took both um, uh, that and the uh, ricochet, the ricochet blast because they're both fantastic <clears throat> cards. Yeah, they're both. You're not as uncomfortable with it because of your proficiency in energy and mystic with several of your characters, like Strange. Yeah, uh, but it's you also have to think that if he's if he's if you're loading a lot of people up on power, um. There's a potential you're going to get someone uh, melted for at least a turn. Right. And then the follow me, I'm definitely worried about follow me too. Yeah. Follow me is probably going to hit, especially if he's uh, running wide and he can get priority, he'll, he might use it to retain priority. Yeah. And and so that's definitely another consideration for me running tall versus wide. Mm-hmm. And with that though, so Helios, if I see that he has Helios... Does Iron Man immediately become priority number one? Um, it's a tough decision because it's all going to be based on where he is. If he's like way off in the back and he's going to have to make a move and shoot, 
to get it off, there's really not a lot you can do about it. It's right. going to be hard to reach him. Right. And, and I don't think you waste all the power to get back there to try to stop him because I think you just lose other things. Uh, but if you see him and you have a shot at him, uh, I think at the very least displacing him, like a good scalpel of strength, like a good move, scalpel, attack, scalpel again. It's like scalpel yourself back home. Yeah. That's that. That's a pretty good way to like deal with him because then he's having to do the move and shoot, which you're not as scared of. Um, and, you know, if you can like, like on Mayor Fisk with the stuns, if you can do Mayor Fisk stuns and you can use like Baron Morta to spread poison around, you're not as scared of it. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden he's not getting as much power. So there's ways to mitigate that. The more I've thought about this matchup, the more I've actually liked Baron Mordo because uh, of Soul Barb. And then you just talk about burning down Hulk, being able to add two dice. Yeah. But also even into Iron Man, like Iron Man is surprisingly hard to kill even with Mystic Attack. So yeah, oh, having yeah. that ability to burn him if he mispositions him, I think is something you should look for. Not your goal, not your main goal. Numero Uno is probably not Iron Man because he probably keeps him safe. Yeah. But if you see through the Matrix and you see that in, I think you take it. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, you're obviously right about that. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of going to be what my other matches have been. It's, first of all, again, QTR is a really good player. So it's, who am I going to get access to early? Because mm-hmm. if I have Wong, I'm able to give a power to Strange, and then he can scalpel turn one, either himself or someone else. And it's a very long distance that he gets to scalpel people. So yeah, it's really good. So so it's, am I going to have access to an enemy character early enough? And then will I be able to retain priority going into turn two to either daze or KO that character if I'm not able to daze on turn one? So, and if he plays KG, which is, I, it's a possibility. You know, because I, I mean, I play temp- typically fairly cagey as well. But if he plays cagey, then I can kind of work my way into it. Yeah. So I, it's it's gonna be a really interesting matchup, and and I'm not, I'm I'm I've set it up for a time where I'm gonna be alone in the house, perfectly focused, ready to rock and roll, no distractions. And, uh, you know, this is for all the marbles right here for me. Anyways, this is, this is the marble bag that I'm trying to secure. This is it. This is the, this is the dream crusher for one of you too. I know. And I think it'll be more of a dream crusher for me. Cause I don't think, I think QTR is <laughs> like, I, I think he's, he's pretty chill about it. But for me, I'm over here like, no, it'd be a, a Darth Vader level. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I think, uh, I know. I think you both want it just as bad. I think so too. Like, I think I think for you, it's obviously the wanting to get in for your first time, and it's it's what we've been building for all, all season. Yeah. Uh, with QTR, he's been there, he's done that. And it's kind of like for me, like when you've done it before, you feel like, well, I should do it again. <laughs> and when you don't make it, you're like, what did I do? I've done this before. What's going on? Yeah. And like, getting that cut off early for me was good because it's like, oh, well, now I'm just going to have fun the rest of the time. Right. When you lose early and you've been in cuts before, oh my God, is there so much pressure to do it again? Because you're like, I've done it before. I can do it again. Yeah. And you're constantly in the bubble. I don't know where QTR lost. Um, well, but if it was early, he might yeah. be under a lot of pressure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I went back and watched his most recent matchup into Guardians because it's on his Twitch channel. 
And mm-hmm. I mean, look, watching that matchup, he was in the driver's seat the whole time. The whole time. He had some hot dice, but he also was just making better decisions the entire time. And, and he wasn't, it didn't seem like there was any stress put on him in terms of decision making. Mm-hmm. And he also did something that is, it's something I do is like, okay, I can keep this character safe or I can put them in a bad position and then they're at risk, but I might gain a little benefit out of it. And I right. saw him do the option one there where it was, okay, I'm going to keep this character safe and not put them in a position for future bad things to happen. And mm-hmm. so knowing that he'll play conservatively in that regard, I think is something that I can, I can think about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like force him, force him to make the bad decisions. Right. Exactly. And if he plays off, if it's like, for instance, let's, let's say that I've got Sam down to one health, and Sam might not be the best activation, but it's he's got to do it, or else mm-hmm. Sam's gonna die, or days, or whatever. Then. You know, that that could end up benefiting me, I think. And I also saw him use Red Wing Assault quite a bit with Sam, which was really interesting. Yeah, that is that is interesting. I don't think I've ever used that ability. Yeah, it's 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 good. So, yeah, I, I think timing my Ironbound books is going to be important. I, I think I'm going to have to put it up turn two and then hope someone gets KO'd so I can get it back for turn four or something if it goes that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be good. And... Uh, for those of you out there listening, if you're interested in watching this matchup, it's going to be on my Twitch channel on Saturday around noon Central Time, something like that, and it'll be uh, twitch.tv slash Darth Balls, and that's Balls with a Z, zero 05, and you can come and check that out, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. I think he's going to be streaming on his Twitch too, but you know the suits out there, they like my Twitch better. You keep scheduling these for when I'm at work. I'm, it's not intentional. I know. That's not uh, intentional. But maybe I can, uh, if my, if I didn't have like literally the worst internet connection at work, I would just listen to it. But I'll, I'm going to be doing my best to like tune in and get updates because I want to know. And uh, uh, good luck. I think this is, you know, I think my biggest advice for a last round game, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, take into account everything we said before. Best advice for a last round game is to just, Stay calm. Pressure, there is none. You know, one of you will win or lose, and you want to be the winner. But if you are concentrated too hard on that being the result you need, then that can get in the way of what you need, like, uh, of the actual game. And just being calm and patient and less on edge than your opponent in one of the high-stakes rounds makes a big difference. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, I will, I will recount a little bit from Nashcon when I, I did not expect to make cuts after I lost my last round. And then when I made cuts, it was like, well, I guess I'm here. Like, that's cool. I, I made it farther than I expected 10 minutes ago. So uh, we'll just see how far it goes. And just was very, <laughs> uh, a little on edge, but very, I just try to think like, you know, I'm having fun. This is, I, I'm not expecting to go much further than this. So let's just see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, I think I, I think that a big part of winning was just being calm and not stressing it out. 
I, I think a repeat performance will be harder because now I have the expectation. Well, I've done it once. I can do it again. And it's going right. to be a lot more stressed <laughs> about it. Right. Uh, so I think at like, I think once again, just drilling it, like just be calm. And every time, if something goes not your way, just breathe in, breathe out and, <sighs> yeah. and, and think what, what is my out constantly? Just keep that in mind. Because more than any games, you know, we could we could talk turn zero for eighteen hours, yeah, and it could go perfectly how you want turn zero, and then one dice roll changes everything. And oh, if you yeah. let that get under your skin and ruin your plan, the whole game's done. Yep. So, just keep calm and keep your eye on the prize. Ah, yes. Don't use that card though. It's not in your list. If it's you use not that card, list. I'll have to disqualify you. Yeah, no, don't worry, I won't. I, even though I do think it, it's fun, so we'll we'll talk about that in another episode. But <laughs> yeah, so I've, yeah, it's that's really good advice, Merzane. And and to anyone out there listening, that's that's definitely something that I struggle with is just staying focused, staying in the moment, and you know, it's one of those things. It's really easy when you feel like you're in the driver's seat in a match to have that mentality where it gets hard is when you don't feel like you're in the driver's seat and you don't feel like things are going your way. And, Mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that this season has really shown me how to deal with both sides of that. So yeah, thanks for Zane. And uh, with that, and where can people find you? I frequent the gamers guild podcast uh, where we talk about the bridge between sort of going from a, a casual mindset into a more competitive mindset. Uh, I'm also on my own podcast called advanced R and D where we build really stupid, really fun lists with people. Uh, very infrequent, uh, recordings. We're planning on doing one very soon, but, uh, a lot of things have come up between then and now. Um, and then I also help run these leagues. So, uh, if you have any questions about joining or playing in the leagues, uh, Feel free to shoot me a message. I am Merzane on all the different discords. M-E-R-Z-A-I-N. I can help you get set up or get you information for how to get set up. Oh, yeah. Great resource. Always down to chat about the game. It's wonderful. And uh, Suits, if you are not already subscribed, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way, when it gets published, it goes straight to your inbox. And then also... Uh, make sure to like our Facebook page. And if your podcast platform of choice has the capability, please, please, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get seen by other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content out there. And if you like what we're doing here, you know, send us a message. Let us know. Comment on our Facebook posts, all that stuff. You know, it's a House Party Protocol podcast over there on Facebook. And you can send us emails, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. I have really enjoyed interacting with all the messages from all the suits out there. It, it's a lot of fun. I, I really love that. And then on our Discord channel, if you're interested in supporting the show in that way, you can go to patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. And for as little as a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year, you can support the show, support our giveaways, help pay for hosting, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, getting artwork designed. I'm, I'm finally getting this t-shirt thing done that I've been working on forever now. I've just, I've really not liked some of the designs I've gotten. So it's, it's kind of been a long process. 
So we're getting some t-shirt work done, so I'm really excited for that. And you can check that out if you want to support the show there. And when I get this merch store up and running, there will be a link for that. So I'm really excited to do that. And then it's 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 the chillest Discord community I've ever been a part of. I love it. I love the suits over there. To, to the ones that are patrons, you know, thank you so much. I cannot express the level of gratitude that that all means to me. Like, it's it's really wonderful. And and chatting with everybody and getting to know everybody over there, talking rosters, talking MCP, talking comic books, which you can check out our comic book reading club where we're doing the Shadowland Daredevil right now. And it'll be kind of towards the first week of April or so that we're doing our discussion on that on live stream just because I'm going out of town next weekend. So, yeah, make sure to uh, check all of that out if you're interested. And I love to chat with you all. So uh, let me know if there's anything I'm doing that you would like to see improved or anything that you would like to see that we're not doing around here. So just let us know. Um, I'm always open to that feedback. I want to do better every single time. So party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down suits. And this concludes the special report. Tune in next week for more.